Find your feet with the Find Your Feet podcast. Okay, hold on to your seats everyone because we have another exciting episode for you here today. I'm really excited to be introducing Jane and Yeti, the terrific two. I met Jane and Yeti as guests. They came to me in the Find Your Feet store in Hobart looking for coaching advice in the lead up to the four-day stage race called the Larapinta Stage Race. The Larapinta Stage Race is pretty tough. For starters, it's in Central Australia. It's hot, it's hilly, it's rocky, and, well, it's long. Jane and Yeti, now into their 60s, were keen to embark on this race And yet they knew that they didn't know everything that they needed to know and just needed to get their head around how do you build up for something of this length when you are advancing into your latter years. Well, the interesting thing about this story was that they both absolutely nailed it. For a starters, Yeti seemed to beat most of the males, the younger males in his discipline over the longer event and Jane was stoic and got right through to the end, finishing incredibly strongly in the shorter event. Since then, both of them have signed up for races overseas. Yeti signed up for a 101-kilometre event in the Swiss Alps, whilst Jane signed up for the 35-kilometre incredibly steep and rough event at the Eiger Trail as well. Now, as you'll hear in the podcast, for Yeti, this event didn't quite go to plan. But what I want you to get out of this is that the success is really in the striving and the journey towards whatever that event is or whatever that challenge is that you're striving towards. And conversely, I also want you to get out of this the celebration that needs to be had around Jane's own result as she proudly made it to the finish line of her 35-kilometre event in Switzerland. But the interesting thing about this is that these two come as a couple. Now, I have a husband and a lifelong friend and my partner, Graham, and we do everything together. But with that, I guess it it will always come its own challenges. When one person is striving for one thing and another is striving for another and one succeeds and maybe one doesn't. And how do you celebrate those moments and how do you support one another and how do you learn from one another about those successes and potentially those failures too? I really wanted that conversation with this couple. I want to know, how can I live the most authentic and beautiful relationship with my partner, Graham, and with myself and with my dreams and my goals as I go into my latter years? Because I want to be, to some degree, like bits of Jane and Yeti, because they are inspiring, not just in what they do, but how they go about it and the dedication in which they give to their relationship, their sports, their dreams, their ambitions and their wild selves. So hold on tight. Let's get right into this conversation with the beautiful Jane and Yeti. All right, Jane and Yeti, thank you for having me in your home here at Abel's Bay. I I feel like I'm in Tasmania, but kind of in Switzerland, sitting okay. here. <laughs> so maybe it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, we don't have much Swiss uh, pictures up here. <laughs> I think you just bring the flavour because that's yeah, yeah. that's our world. Probably. Yeah. How long have you been in this place here? I mean, we're over the road from the waterfront down near Signet. Um, I think we've been now just over two years. Yeah. 
-hmm. and it's 20 kilometers away from our old place up from the hill before we were looking over the Hune River to the Harz Mountains but now um, we're downgraded to this double block here. <laughs> downgraded. <laughs> this is a beautiful upgrade, I think. It's yeah, downgraded uh, space. In size. And, yeah, the size. And responsibility regarding looking after animals, looking after a farm. Yeah. We wanted yeah. a new lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. That was how I grew up, actually, on mm. an organic hobby farm south of Hobart mm. with my parents. And yeah. it was a huge undertaking for them. And I look mm. back now and I probably respect that even more. So mm. you get to the yeah. point where sometimes you need to be a bit freer and more flexible. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Now I have more time for other things. Running. Yeah. <laughs> running. Especially running, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but just for your own life. you you When you have animals and and plants and things to look after that comes first yeah then yeah, then your own life <laughs> yeah but it would be possible we i've done other things um not running but other sports um i had time for that so there was no priority to run actually it came not in my mind because i have done the other things and after after an accident actually i couldn't kayak anymore mm -hmm. because of my wrist was injured and then after two months I was a little bit sick to hang around and so I was thinking probably I start running again and then it started. And so this was when 2012 or? 2012 yeah. And you've just returned from Switzerland where you've both been on an extended holiday and were participating in the Eiger trail events. Do you want to yeah. just tell us a little bit about that goal and what what happened over in Switzerland, so we can frame where we're at to now and what maybe goals you've got coming up. Yeah, I was, uh, uh, what can I say, it was very exciting, um, very concentrated, everything was in place. Um, we had a, a house, rented a house near Grindelwald and training and everything was came, no injury, nothing was, everything was nearly perfect. And half past four in the morning, and that Saturday, we started. And was okay, was everything, was right, the drinking, eating. And after 10 hours, 12 hours, it was 12 hours on the top, on a hilltop or mountain. Um, I came up with another guy, with a French guy. We ran together for maybe 20 kilometers. And then on top, a friend of mine was there to help me and he asked me, you want to sit down? And I said, no, I don't want to sit down, but I lean on that wall a little bit <laughs> and have a drink. And there was a doctor and he came straight to me and asked me why you have to lean to the wall. Are you dizzy? No, no, I'm not dizzy. It's just I want to lean on the wall. Um, maybe, maybe better you come in into the tent and lie down and I check your blood pressure and pulse and things like that. And I was lying there and I started to shiver. I was up there was cold because the uphill was warm mm. on the sunny side. And it was 2,400 meters up and the wind was blowing up there. 
And I started to shiver and I drank a little bit more and then he came again and told me I'm dehydrated and need at least two litres of fluid. I told me that's not possible anyway, I can't drink two litres now. <laughs> um, then uh, it's much better to stop. Look, it's, otherwise you have to stop a little bit later, but you have to stop. Oh, this annoying um, French doctor. This was 70, 70 <laughs> kilometers in, and I was just that moment. It was my brain didn't made any resistance to that questions to stop, and so I was not much thinking. I said, "Okay, I stop." It was done. Mm. Um, then my friend was saying, "Okay, when you say stop, then it's your." It stopped then, and so I was in the restaurant drinking two glasses of hot milk with Ophomaltine, and um, then I felt much better, <laughs> and I couldn't go back into the race. Oh, how frustrating. Signed out, everything was gone. How um, long had you been preparing for this event, Yeti? I prepared since at least a half a year. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the, the biggest, I guess, undertaking you'd picked as an event or in anything that you've done in trail running to date, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was absolutely the biggest stunt. I started trail running two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, trail Fest was my first official race um, as a trail, trail runner and, and I learned a lot. But the thing is, in the early days when I was younger, was no separation between trail running, road running, Yeah, like running was one thing. Yeah, was yeah. one thing. So we have done a lot, I have done a lot of trail runs when I was 30, 35. So do you mind me asking what age category you were competing in in Switzerland? Just because uh, I want to frame this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the age category is over 65. Yeah, okay. over 65. So three. Yeah, seniors threes. Yeah. 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 It's over sixty five. Yeah. And in two thousand and twelve you went to do the Sydney Marathon with your son. And that was kind of one of the get back into running modes. And ran three hours thirty five. Three hours thirty five for your first marathon back at sixty three? Six sixty. Sixty. Yeah. Sixty is my first marathon. Yeah, it was his first marathon. Um, what's the funny thing was, that was after my injury, I was decided to run again and then I saw Sydney Marathon years before in the TV. And because I, I ran marathons before in Switzerland and so I was thinking mid 60 it would be nice to run a marathon but it was, I was maybe 50 that time, I'm not running. And then this came to my mind, okay, yeah, I'm 60 this year probably marathon would be something. And so I started to train for this marathon and asked my son. And he went, okay, I train too. Brilliant. And so we ran the whole marathon together. And after probably 10 kilometers, I told him, yeah, when you want to go, go. Mm. You're quicker than I am. Where, where can I go? <laughs> so, yeah, so we ran together. You can hear that you've had this journey that's gone in and out of lots and lots of different sports and it probably will say for now as pinnacled with a trip to Switzerland to be able to participate in an event there and I'm going to come to Jane's story in a moment. Um, But I'm really interested to know 
how you define success for you now. So even like if you put yourself in the shoes of heading over to Switzerland, what was your definition of success for that event? But in general, how do you define success now? Um, I actually wanted to finish. First thing was to finish the race. Um, the second thing I actually had the aspiration or whatever to finish my under under 20 hours mm-hmm. and after I gave up um, I calculated it was possible mm-hmm. because I still had about seven hours for 30 kilometers and only only 1700 meters up mm-hmm. um, and this friend the French guy Nicolas he ran in 19 hours 30 so Probably we stuck together and mm. finished that race. And on the end, I was disappointed with myself. Um, I couldn't actually watch a YouTube about the Eiger. Um, when somebody asked, I was really, yeah, it was okay, things like that. So if that's your success, that was what you wanted to achieve for that event, but do you have a different or another version of success for you as a person? So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for me, I've had to learn to reframe that I'm not and the elite athlete that I was back then where one success probably did involve winning medals and mm. breaking records or finishing distances. But now that I'm not a competitive athlete, you know, I've had to reframe that thinking. And for me, it's now like a willingness to sit on that edge and to take myself to that edge and be willing to be there. So for me, a failure is not then not finishing. It's like if it, if it, if that in that drive came from me, does that make sense? Mm. So have you, do you have like, I mean, cause I'm interested in you're in that 65 age category now in races where once you were running, I saw sub three hour marathons. So how do you redefine success for you as a person, knowing that that's what you used to be able to do? Or does that make sense, that yeah. question? Yeah. Um, now, because I had such a long break from my younger time as a runner on now, um, there's nothing in the running in between. I don't show or look back how I run that time. Mm-hmm. It's a new beginning. Mm-hmm. I started completely new. My times are much slower. Kilometers are slower, everything. And I accept that. That's, that's a normal thing. And I'm always thankful when I finish a, a training. I can't do this. I still <laughs> run. And I don't have injuries. My knees, everything is all right. And so I keep going. <laughs> And I think the key is go all the time, not make big breaks. And so you to be consistent yeah, with your be exercise. Consistent, and because of the now after now it's about three months since or two and a half months since that since that race, um, I look look at differently. It's not this disappointing anymore. It's, um, it's a, a learning curve, and I have done 70 kilometers. So it's, I know it's possible with the right attitude. 
um, to finish that race. Does that mean you're going back? Yeah, I have. That's in my mind. Yeah, when everything goes well and and I'm not getting sick or injured and or yeah, so I go back in two years' time. So Yeti so will 67, be back. <laughs> You're going to conquer it. Sixty-seven yeah. years. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. So um, I want that finished. <laughs> Jane. <laughs> We have a friendly neighbour <laughs> waving at us. It's gorgeous. <laughs> Jane, um, you also went over to the Eiger and competed in the 35-kilometre distance over there. Yes. I'm interested to know about your experience. You, I mean, you absolutely made the finish line. You didn't just make it. I think you had a ball. Yeah. Um, and I'm also interested to know... A, how that went for you and the story behind that. But B, how did you define your success going over there? Was it also to finish or was it a bit more broad than that? Well, initially, uh, it's usually Yeti that decides, I'm going to do this race or that race. And I go, hmm, how can I fit in with that? So when my my first racing uh, activity, he went to do the marathon and I did nine kilometres. And so then it's sort of grown from there. And this time I said, oh, I think I'll do the 35. And he went, what? You'll never manage that. And I said, I will. <laughs> so that was my driving power, the uh, willpower. I, I, if I set myself something, I'll do it. Yeah. So when, um, during the race, I just kept huffing and puffing up the hills. And as it got about within the last 5Ks, I thought, whoa, this is... You could hear the loudspeakers back at the at the finish, and I'm thinking it's getting so close. I just I just have to finish it. I just got to get over this. And I one time I just stopped and I was I was leaning down, and this lady came up and she said, "Are you all right?" I said, "Yeah, I'm just stuffed." <laughs> and then I got up again and thought, "Oh, now we're going downhill. Oh no, not another one up." And every little incline was just too much but it I just kept going and kept going and I was very fortunate that my daughter was there and she had decided to come in about four or five k's and as I was going down there were some people um, uh, directing the runners and they said Layla's waiting for you just down the road and I went oh wow you know that that just gave me the last push and I thought I've got to catch up with her I've got to get there and then I got to her and I said to her, I can't run anymore. I cannot run. I will, I will walk the best I can. And she said, that's cool, Mum, that's cool. And, <laughs> and so we got into the, um, into the, you go back into Grindelwald towards the finish line. And I'm marching through the town and it was so, so amazing. You're right at the end of the race, you know, like the end of the competitors. And people are still clapping, you know. Mm. It's such a, it's, it's uh, really a, a good feeling. Mm. And, and the the biggest thrill was to come towards the, at the finish line, you went down a little um, inco uh, decline just to go down onto the finish and a young man whom I had never seen before came up behind me and he latched arms with me and he said, let's do this together. Oh, and he'd been from another race, the 51 probably, and so we did. We went over the finish line together mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. waved to each other and that was... Yeah. But it was just Amazing. that whole collegiality and stuff that's sort of what keeps me going to do trail runs because even though I'm just this old lady that's toddling along behind everyone uh, they include you 
you know yeah. and it's just it's a it gives you um well it actually keeps you young yeah because it keeps you feeling yep I'm one of the one of the guys I'm one of the team and, yeah. and that's that's my inspiration um to go to any of the races um, I have the willpower to push it, even if I'm hurting. If I fall over and hurt myself, which I do quite often, uh, it's actually declined lately, and I didn't fall in the eiger. Um, I still will keep going. Yeah. And and so, yeah, it starts with Yeti, and then I just carry it through. <laughs> it starts with Yeti, and yet you've achieved some amazing. Not, I don't care really about the results. I mean, they're beautiful. Like to say you know I did this race in this time but I mean you you both have been through so much together that is involved in many sports but trail running more recently mm-hmm. and one of the experiences that I remember the most with both of you was at the Lara Pinta four-day stage race last no two years ago now. two years ago Gosh, yeah. time flies when you're having fun <laughs> yeah um, but I do remember coming up behind you Jane yeah. on the last day and yeah. um by that point, I'm I'm suffering big yeah. time, suffering, and, yeah. and I remember like exchanging this like, "How you doing? Yeah, I'm oh, I'm tired or it's hot." And I remember having this sort of conversation. Yeah. It was like, "Me too, me too." <laughs> yes, I, I empathize, and like I think it was just this beautiful camaraderie that we had at that moment. And I remember walking with you just for a little tiny bit, and then yeah. off I went. And then there was also this like even. You know, at any point of the field, wherever you are, you you know you will also be suffering. It's yeah. like yeah, it's the same, isn't it? Everyone is suffering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember when one part of the um, of the Lara Pinta where you came up, um, it was a an, a an incline and it was pretty steep, and I'm like huffing away, and then you you came along and. And I said, gee, it's hard, isn't it? And you said, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And you were... <laughs> and I was huffing away. And, <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. were huffing too. <laughs> yeah. Because so I guess, like, why I really wanted to have this conversation, and it always takes a little while to kind of get into the conversation, but it's because um, I, I really want everyone to know that we're, we all have similar experiences at every spectrum of that, you know, especially the age spectrum mm. um, and ability spectrum. And also I'm really interested to know... Like you two appear to be each other's best friend and you appear to do lots of things, partners in crime. And I'm really interested to know how you support one another in those dreams and ambitions. And particularly, Jane, I'm interested to know, do you ever feel like there's a, a Yeti shadow? Because, again, at Lara Pinter, I remember in the prize-giving ceremony, I mean, you both did so amazingly, but Yeti was like a super speed star um, yeah, well. and all the all the younger men and women were struggling to even keep up with this anonymous yeti and i remember the joke became like you know is everyone faster than yeti and so it became like our benchmark of what's good and better um do you feel that shadow if you're obviously setting goals because yeti's got a goal in mind as well or how do you know because we're in different races i, yeah. I don't feel a shadow as much I'll I'll have to um, say this time I I actually declined from even posting on Facebook that I had completed the IGA mm. because he didn't and I didn't want it to wake up any because we're a team mm. you know even though we were in two different races and we'd gone there together and we were competing in in our own races I didn't want it to to because he was not in the mood to broadcast anything so I backed off as well so then. 
I couldn't sing my own glory and I didn't feel like wearing my shirt around that says on the back of it finisher because I thought oh, that's... He's, <laughs> he didn't and then I got, a, I got a trophy, it's a little stone, a little piece of the Eiger and he didn't and so I felt, oh, and it's supposed to be his, his thing. So I, no, and when I say it's supposed to be, it's because he's the athlete and I'm just going along. Back in the day when he used to be competitive, when we were younger, and we had children, I was looking after the kids and I was supporting him as a supporter. Yeah. And now I'm not the supporter and I don't want that role. I'm participating. Yeah, you are. You're, you're an equal and have every right to be... I have so many questions. My brain is just whirling at a million miles now. I think the first question I have is I want to, I want to um, challenge you on you're not an athlete. Because to me, an athlete is anyone who goes through the motions of consistently working towards a goal and also implementing other actions such as nutrition, recovery, um, looking after yourself in a daily way, like taking that mental attitude and putting yourself in a place where you're willing to be on that start line. To me, that's every element of an athlete, again, at any spectrum that we look at, whether it's age or ability or... so. Do you, do you still feel you're not an athlete? Are you, is it just Jane turning up for a run or is there a way that you can find a place in you that um, can see yourself as an athlete? Possibly, possibly. I, I, um, <laughs> I was down at the beach the other day and a young man came. Uh, I was in the water and I was doing some training in the water just for resistance on the knees and, and on, the, on the knees mainly. And this young fellow came along and he went back again and again up the beach. And I'm thinking, hmm, I do that too, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. So, so, you know, and that was, that was a, it was like a little thing. I think there has to, had to be a development. I, I, uh, I have never looked at myself as an athlete because I, as a youngster, was not, I've always been physical, but physical meaning physically strong and doing stuff physically but not participating in any competitive things yeah, and to sports. me that was the athlete yeah as a competitor so and, when and so that that's why I didn't call myself an athlete and so when you're in an event say take the Iger for example and you're around other people who are moving at a similar ability to you and they might look fit and have all the gear. Do you look at those people, even though they're of the same ability, and think they look like an athlete and you're not? Or do you look at the elite end of the field? No, I don't look at the elite end of the field, but I, I do look at the other ones. And I did say to a young man in the Eiger, and this was coming down what they call across the front of the Eiger, so we had a good part of the race behind us, and there was a lot of quite big rocks and he was really struggling to get down them. And I, I actually said to him, trust your shoes a bit more, mate. <laughs> trust your feet, trust your feet. That's my catchphrase. And I thought, oh, who am I to tell him that? <laughs> and then I actually looked and I'd heard him before. He was an Irish fellow and he did end up coming in behind me. So I was like, oh. Um, yeah. You know, then that's where I suppose when you say athlete, that little competitive edge comes anyway. But... Yeah, I suppose I always go looking every time I've done the race. I like to see where I've... I mean, I know I've finished at the end and I know that I will 
stop competing when I know they have to wait for me at an unreasonable amount of time at the end of all the rest of the people. Mm. I wouldn't do that to the organisers. It, yeah. it would then not be good for me. Yeah. But at present, I'm still managing to be okay. It's, yeah. it's all right. It's all right to be at the end. But I think, <laughs> I guess I challenge you on this a little because I see a lot of, especially when I work with adults, they, you know, when you maybe you're talking about something like nutrition and hydration and you're saying, look, these gels, they're really good and be really good for you to, you know, try one every 40 minutes or so. And they sort of come back at you saying, oh, I'm not an elite athlete though. Like, yeah. you know, well, and they, that, that and was the beginning of our yeah, journey together in was. that respect. Yeah. I, I remember seeing you at Derby once and I, I actually said to you, look, you know, I... I'm only walking. I'm, do I really need this stuff? And I recall you saying something like, yeah, but you're out there doing it too. Yeah. yeah and I thought, okay. And I, I, I do, we stick very much to, to your um, advice and we've noticed that it has been of great benefit. Yeah. I, when I think back to the Lara Pinta and even like the last day, the, sec- the second day and the last day were the two really difficult ones mm. from my point of view. And um, and I think, well, if I didn't have the nutrition and the water right and the electrolytes that I had been recommended and which we have always followed uh, and experimented with during training, mm. I don't know that I would have finished it. I don't know that I would have. Mm. And, that, and that's not advertising. That's telling you from personal experience because I found that I had just before you turned towards the Glen Helen my water had run out, but I had been drinking water with electrolyte in it, so yeah. I still was okay. Yeah. And I used all my stuff that I had with me, and I was, for the Iger, I actually included more. And, yeah. And that was in glucose tablets, like yeah. the things that diabetes yeah. people, just to try and give me a bit more. Yeah. And I did use them. And so, but, turning it to Yeti, do you... Do you see you you both as athletes? Like hearing all the work, all the thought and the preparation and the trial and error and training that's gone in to get, say, even onto the plane to go to Switzerland. Um, do you see yourself and Jane as athletes? Or how do you view um, that? I never think about this, actually. Mm, I don't either, but I not. suppose we are. Um, what I see in Jane... I see when I see her in training, sometimes we have the same route on the hill and she comes up and I'm coming down and we see each other and I see how hard she is working. And I, I think it's, it's amazing because she had a knee injury or bad knees before she started Old knees. to walk. <laughs> she couldn't walk 300 meters without pain. So the doctor told her she needs an operation knee replacements and so it was a year yeah some waiting list anyway I started running and she started at the same time she started walking just a little bit further and further and a year later the the letter came is now a place free for the operation and she didn't need the operation <laughs> anymore yeah, op- they the actually <coughs> asked did I, can I walk such and such? Do I need help yeah. to get around? All these sorts yeah. of questions. And, and I, this no, was all no, gone. No, no, no. And so it was like, okay. Um, for me, this is, uh, is amazing. That's um, something 
have to be published somehow. Mm. People, I hear so many stories about, ah, oh, I was running when I was younger, but my knees can't do it anymore. Yeah, I get that but a lot. But they never try, or when they have a little bit of a pain, they stop. That's it. But they don't know what it is. It's, it's maybe not the knees, maybe the muscle around the knee or something like that. So I think it's, it's amazing what Jane has done. Um, it's a long we way. are all different though. Yeah. So, so athlete, yeah. Probably we are athletes because we're doing this stuff um, in a certain manner. In a, we have a, a, a discipline um, and we keep going. It's not yeah. like uh, two weeks training on the week off and things like that. So our lifestyle is actually around running. Right I wanted now. to ask that. What is what is the lifestyle like that you leave lead here that's allowed you to improve so much and again to go and embark on some pretty crazy adventures together? Yeah, I think it's... I think it's time for consistency. Yeah, I think that would be the the. The main thing, and he's more consistent than I am because I still do some work. Mm. But um, you know, I don't. I, that's where this athlete business comes in. I don't have that. I I sometimes forget to take my clock, watch, or I don't press it properly, and yeah, all this sort of business. I do that, and he goes, "Oh God, you're never kidding." <laughs> no, oh, didn't you write down but, your but training? She's oh, lacking no, a little bit in, um, say, Discipline. I do some strength exercise. He does a lot. Just with my body. He does a lot. And in here. <laughs> and I tell Jen, come on, do it. Uh, I don't have time right now. I'm just busy here. So, okay, you're busy there. And then in the evening, now you can do it. Oh, I'm too tired. Yeah. So that's a little bit of... Um, I, I think uh, it's a female thing. <laughs> Graham and I have set this challenge of doing ten, three lots of 10 push-ups and three lots of 10 sit-ups every oh, single goodness, day. you're good. Which is our little, like, it's like a little personal challenge. Gosh knows, we haven't set an end date, which frightens me. But last night, I was so tired and I'd already got into my pyjamas. And Graham said to me, did you do your exercises today? And I would look at him going... Can I do them tomorrow? Yeah. And he goes, it doesn't take long, honey. And then, yeah, so that's... I'm there in my undies and my nightie on the floor doing push-ups. <laughs> so I hear you, Jane. You know the feeling. I know the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, it's not, as I said, I have never been a physical person. And so it's, yeah. always, it's always an effort. Whereas if I go out to do a walk or a run, I do enjoy, oh, listen to the birds. Oh, mm. I like... I even like it when it's raining. I just mm. like being outside. <clears throat> but the actual, the hard work. I was yeah. going to ask what drives you. I want to know more about your lifestyle, by the way. But what drives you both to get out the door to do the, it is work, like the work that allows you to achieve your dreams or to get close mm. to them. So maybe we'll start with Jane. What, what is that driver for you? Now, I think it's because I've set a goal being a race and I know if I don't do it it will be make the race more difficult to participate in and and so you need that and and the fact that it supposedly should be consistent so that drives me I I think one of the things which has been very beneficial from having been in Switzerland we did the we went in June we did the competition in July and we didn't leave until September so we had all the time after the race to recover but in that recovery we were daily 
on foot, mm. not running, but on foot. We were going here, there, up mountains, down mountains, through, through hills and dales, constantly on foot. We came back here, we have a car. We sit down, we get onto the internet, we get in the car, and I am noticing the difference from that time of being mm. every day active. Active didn't mean training, yeah. it just meant keep your body moving. Yeah. And it, it was actually a very good thing to experience to make me realize here, hey, if you don't even get out the door to do the training, why are you bothering mm. at all? So if you don't have a, have a goal, does that mean it's harder to drive yourself or do you think the Switzerland experience has changed your drivers a little bit? I now? think so. I yeah. think so. I, I, think, I think we need, well, I need a goal. Mm. I, and I, I've found that, that that does help me. And I've even now this athletic side of me maybe is waking up. I've got my next race is the point to pinnacle. I've already done it four times. This is going to be my fifth time. And I want to improve. Awesome. So something's happening. <laughs> I didn't realise it. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. And I, when I say improve, even if it was the same time or within the same time, it's improved. And it's especially two years later because last year we didn't go up to the top. Yeah. So it was a different race. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. It and will be. And goals are scary. Like I, even when I launched this podcast, I was sitting on the fence about the importance of goals and like, I mean, I've been, again, that athlete where goals are very much a part of your life, but also as a life coach, the whole life coaching process is goal-centric. And I'd got to this point where I started to resent them because, to me, my thinking was too black and white. There was, like, I pass it or I fail it. And mm. we'll take your experience, Yeti, yeah. for example. True. Like, you go over there with this goal to complete it, for whatever circumstance, almost outside of your control, you didn't complete it. Therefore, does that mean you failed? And I think that when I got my head around understanding that maybe I had to just redefine my success, then I began to really see the beauty in a goal because, like you say, it keeps you on track and mm. keep, and helps guide your life and create purpose around your values and I yeah so I've now kind of flipped back the other way and can see the beauty in that goal process but um I think it depends how how specific you set it to yeah because we have another I have another goal or we as a team have another goal and that goal is to just try our best to stay healthy and and enjoy uh, this end of life mm. and that that's a bit of a flowery goal but it still needs effort absolutely and uh, attention definitely yeah, and attention so yeah. it's not it's not so specific but it is a goal as well it's almost leaning slightly towards a value as well mm. yeah mm. yeti i want to come to you now like what drives you to get out the door every day um i like it i i need that because when i sit still two days then I get really grumpy. <laughs> and, Is that uh, true, Jay? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he needs and movement. I need to go out. So um, I feel when I go, sometimes I go out and I feel not very good and come back and I feel 100 times better. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, it's maybe an addiction or something, but I feel I have to do it and it helps me, helps me. To live life and I feel it's what would I do without running or sport 
physical sport. When I have to sit down or I would drink more, eat more, and getting fat and lazy. <laughs> Something like this. It's and need better glasses yeah. <laughs> because of looking at internet. Yeah, that's right. So um, it's it helps me helps me uh, master or whatever my life mm-hmm. to go through my life. And I love that. Like they help us to master our life. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's spot it's, on. And goals, say the Eiger, when, I, when we entered the Eiger, was such a nervous thing because it's only a certain time you get in or you're not coming in. It took, took two hours and it was full. Oh, the entry. Yeah, entry. And then I was in and then, oh shit, now I have to do this 100 kilometer. And I have to train for, and I was actually afraid first. Mm-hmm. I was not really sure I can manage the training mm-hmm. and the commitment over such a long time. It's not like uh, it's I it's it's a big thing. Yeah, it was a huge thing, and I remember it was Jane who I think even almost dragged you in to have a chat with me. And this isn't an ego plug here, but I do remember. You were very nervous and you were very anxious and Jane was concerned about you. So how important is is looking out for one another and being the brakes or being that window to self when we internally get caught up with our own thoughts? I don't know that we do that consciously. Okay. I don't know that we do it consciously because I tend to be very defensive if he's going, oh, you should be, why haven't you done the other? And I'm like, oh, back off, back off. The thing (laughs) I said at the beginning, um, I was not sure um, if the training is enough, what I do. Things like that was always questioning if I do a little bit more or or have a bad day or you feel tired, you're really tired and maybe let that train go today and go tomorrow. Um, this is good and all these so things. After a while, I came, came really good. You I did. Came back in, and so, yeah. in hindsight, were you doing enough, or what did you learn about what you needed to do? Again, in framed in the context of achieving your goal there. Um, yeah, and what what does your training look like? I'm quite curious. Like on a daily basis, like how do you train? How much time do you devote to achieving these goals? Um, that time I trained probably between 8 and 12 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't count kilometers because I was lots uphill and not that many kilometers. And during the race, I had the feeling it's also to do, I think it's to do with time goals. You set the time goal and you have to go in a certain speed to get to the finish in that time. But now I'm looking back and sometimes I had the feeling I have to train more to get the endurance uh, so I can hold the speed up for longer, a certain speed. But the other thing is maybe I go a little bit slower and have a little bit longer on the whole course and enjoy it more (laughs) than fighting the course, so go into the course and, and, and finish it even when it's 22 hours. And it's also to do, I think for a younger athlete to, to go with the top runners, 
you have to do that. You have to have a time thing and then you have to train for this. But as an older guy, I'm on the back of the field and it's not logical to go some illusion to uh, have a fantastic time on the end. You can you still have a fantastic time for your age and for the training you put in. But I think that's the that's the thing I have to realize not training for a certain time, training for the course and finish it. And the experience yeah. of it. It's still yeah. it's still um still it still links in my head. It's still the competitiveness. Yeah. I, I, I can't say oh as soon as I start running, I, I, I run, I race. It's, it's even when I'm much slower than I was, but it's, it's like in You still want the best out of yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. And what were you willing to uh, add, Jane? I was just going to interrupt in that um, I think we, we do support each other in that we discuss things quite a mm. bit. It doesn't mean we agree, but it makes the other one think perhaps. And one of the things that I would have felt from his Iger experience is not necessarily that he didn't put enough training in mm. because when you only base it on how much training did I do and things are going wrong, you end up going, I didn't do enough mm. because that's only a part of the picture of competing. Absolutely. This is where the athlete comes back again in that, okay, you've done all the training you could, the best you could, and today is a day. It's not... We're different every day. The uh, conditions were good. The weather was terrific. But uh, the, the preparation of being able to understand, and that's something I think he would have now picked up also, it's still not in his head, but it might end up that actually on the Eiger, with all those hours, he could have stopped for half an hour, had an Ovaltine, had another drink, stopped, just had that, and then continued, yeah. and he still would have finished in his twenty hours easily. Yeah, and that's but that's, that's a experience race, exactly. That's a race experience, mm -hmm. and yeah. race experience is so vital to any preparation. And but I've always said that the the three things that I think allow someone to truly succeed in their expectations is um, consistency in the training, which we've all um, agreed to. The nutrition and hydration, which we also agreed is vitally Work important. With, yeah. And the third thing is that knowledge of the course, but more more than that is that experience that comes with um, time yeah. doing these And I think endeavors. just trusting yourself yeah. too, yeah. because I think that was an issue too, that, that he was making him nervous, is that he was always questioning, I hope I've done, I think I have, but I, I'm not sure if I have done enough training for what I'm expecting of yeah. myself. Yeah. And he had. Yeah. He had done plenty, yeah. plenty preparation, but that uncertainty was the wobbling part. Yeah. And that's something that when he would go again, that he can say, it's okay, I've done my training, this yeah. is where it comes out. Yeah. And not on it's the journey, so it's different. And when you've gone from running on the road to your watch and to the time to going on trail where you actually did mention to him in our in our meetings learn to walk because he he did walk but it's it's walk but you can actually also stop mm. you've come to a aid station you can actually stop you saw some people sitting down lying down that wouldn't even cross his mind to even <laughs> think of doing that yeah. Sit down, no way, I'm just going to lean on the wall and keep going. And yeah. that's, 
that's things that he's had, that we will have to learn that as an the older mental, bloke, that's going to be part of it. Yeah, <laughs> and the mental side is, is vitally important, but I think that's it's still too black and white. Like, I think we're getting to this point now in sport and coaching where we recognise, okay, for a long while in Australia particularly, we've been putting a huge amount of emphasis on the physical preparation, mm. and we do that very, very well, mm. I think. And then there's sort of become more this awakening that we need to focus on the mental side. Mm-hmm. I sort of see the mental side as that that technical mental side. But what I experienced um, in my ultra racing more recently is there's also an emotional side. Yep. Um, and I was working with a girl after the Ultra Trail Australia 100 kilometers, and she said she didn't have a great day. And she said to me, Hanny, I don't think I emotionally checked in for that race. Yeah. And I think that is, sounds like what Jane is trying to explain is that for whatever reason, there was a part of you that was holding yourself back thinking mm-hmm. and questioning and um, mm, that's the, what the I nerves. Yeah. And I think that second time around, that'll, you, you've got this fire in your belly now and you'll <laughs> find an ability to emotionally check in for that race. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So it's really interesting. Uh, the yeah. thing was been... been uh, when I was up at that eighth station, up on the Mandlachen, um, it didn't cross my mind to give up or, or I'm hurt or I'm too tired to, to go further. Mm. And even the doctor, that he came, but without the doctor, 15 minutes later, I would be on the track again. Mm. If he this just bothers had me a little bit. Path, it's that's actually, what bothers him. And, yeah. Yeah. But, you told me that before the race, when you have a, uh, a guy or somebody, a crew member who supports me, tell him to be a little bit strict. <laughs> and I had a nice guy. Yeah, but you really didn't nice. train him. Yeah, because we meet each other a day before. Mm-hmm. And I told him this and that and things like that. But he accepted straight away, okay, when he wants to give up, he gives up. Yeah. I can't do anything. And... I'm not giving him some, he's not responsible for that. But when you have somebody actually to tell you, look, he came from Australia to Switzerland to mm. do this race after so much training, don't give up, go further and see what happens in the next 10 kilometers, yeah. the next aid station. And then it's only 20 kilometers to finish. You yeah. can see the village down there, you know. And support crews are just so vitally important. But now you'll that. find that too yeah, if you go I again. That now. That's another experience yeah. that yeah. you've learned. Yeah. It's actually an amazing thing to think, okay, I've been training for a few years. Now I'm just going to go and do 100 kilometers and ridiculous, uh, um, what do they call it? Uh, altitude. altitude differences. And I, I said to him, too, you actually did 70 kilometres. What are you beating yourself up about? Yeah. You know, but it, that wasn't the point. It, he hadn't achieved the yeah. what he'd set himself out to do. Well, you have a second time around. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm then interested to know, I mean, 10 to 12 hours of physical training a week is what most elite athletes are working in, in that kind of 10 to 12 hours. So mm. the training that you're doing is in volume on par with an elite athlete. So what emphasis do you place on recovery and what does that look like 
And also, how does that incorporate, you know, I'm looking around your beautiful kitchen and you've got yummy looking things lying around on the bench. Like, what? how does that then bring in things like your nutrition? Like, how do you both focus yeah, on that? It's um, it's a big thing. I, I am very um, looking to recover very well. As soon as I come home, I drink more. Um, I eat something. I, I stretch, I go on a massage roller, um, then I eat a real meal. Have many baths. A, a bath or go into the water down here in the sea and walk in the water, things like that. So um, sleep enough, lie down when I'm tired or things like that. And really it's, it's not only say these two hours on the trail training or more or less, and it's at least the same amount after that or more recovery. Wow. Um, so my life is... so inspiring. I'm sitting <laughs> here. I feel like life. I need to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's his life. So I, I yeah. do this. Yeah. Um, then um, after when I meal or whatever, two hours later, I go with the dog a little bit outside, go for a walk, things like that. So I move, move. Mm. and incorporate different um, right now movements uh, so you have it's all, not only sit-ups push-ups I <laughs> I have dog walks I do dog walks I do different all day long not Night all day no 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 not all day long See? but I have a moment when I start so it's a maybe 20 minutes I do these things so I, I use muscles I never use normally and things like that so that keeps me flexible mm. and also I must say the last two years all the injuries are gone mm. from the beginning I had horrific injuries when I started my first marathon Achilles both legs I pushed through this pain and things like that and I started with with uh, five finger shoes I ran my the first marathon in five finger shoes and <laughs> Just to yourself. prove you can do it. <laughs> you can't see my face right now. <laughs> um, things like that. So, um, so all of this work has got you to a place where you know your body and mind are really willing to do the hard yards. But Jane, I'm picking up. Is that frustration or is it? Uh, I wouldn't say frustration. It's it's a great benefit to be retirees in that. He doesn't have any responsibility other than himself and what he wants to do. Okay, other people might be going off playing bowls or getting up together with their friends or sailing. Well, he's running. I mean, all of us need to do something. I'm not moaning, but I'm just saying it's his whole life. And then alongside it, I'm actually in between there because I still do some work mm. and... I don't have to do all the cooking. I'm not a good housewife that runs around cleaning. He does all the vacuuming, for example. Thanks, <laughs> Graham. But, it's great. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we sort of share percentage-wise the cooking. If I'm away working, I'll come back and he'll have something ready. So we don't have our specific roles. But I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I'm two, uh, two years older than him. I don't have to be working. I need it. I need to get out. I like to be with people. I, I have a skill. I'm a massage therapist, so I, 
I enjoy being able to work with people and noticing what I can do can help them. Mm. So I need this. I need whereas he needs his running and what he can do. So mm. that's where I sort of fit in between there. We we do we have always for many years um emphasized good eating. So mm. although nutrition in races and I've actually done recently done a sports um nutrition extra uh, course yeah. and and it is true when you are actually within a race be it a triathlon an ultra or whatever and you're you're going to get dehydrated your your nutrition is not ultimate um and and you know the, the morning before and and whatever you don't necessarily what would have been you haven't got your proteins and your everything balanced but that's just then and then your rest of your life has to be has to be then balanced and that's as long as yeah. one recognizes that that's something that often people will battle with the idea of these these gels and bits and pieces like i like to eat healthy yes i do too yeah but i, but I need it's fuel not, it's not a picnic exactly yeah, i need fuel yeah. for when i'm pushing a yeah. lot more than i ever would so what and i think that's that's something really important what does your diet look like out of curiosity, I mean, like maybe an example of a breakfast, lunch, dinner. Our breakfast of. is always quite a, a rich muesli we make ourselves, mm -hmm. and uh, lunch lunch can be very different. We we try and make sure we get protein quite often. We don't shy away from carbohydrates. We don't oh. shy away from bread. I have an example of the muesli here, and I can I can vouch that looks delicious. We put it together <laughs> ourselves, yeah, and always with fruit. Um, we're not Lots vegetarian, but we eat a lot of vegetarian meals. Mm -hmm. And since I've come back from Switzerland, another thing, we were away for three months, so it just helped me reorganise my head. Mm. And uh, I've tried to make a point of, of actually planning meals better. It's not that we weren't eating the right food, but I, it was stressing me in not knowing what to do. So now I actually take time, sit down and make a menu plan and make sure I've got the groceries here. Mm -hmm. And then I can, the other day when it was going to be hot, I felt so good. Early in the morning, I got on, got lunch and dinner already done. Let's get on with the day. And I had the whole day. So yeah. mm. planning's always but, good. But, but it's, yeah, that's with the nutrition. We don't, mm. we eat some meat. We'll eat maybe twice a week meat. Twice, three And times. mostly vegetarian, but um, not vegan, not gluten, in, we're not gluten or nut intolerant mm -hmm, or... Mm -hmm. But Berry. I eat a lot is potatoes. And bananas. Bananas, bananas. Uh, at least one a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, potatoes, sweet potatoes, but potatoes when I was uh, younger. Before big races, I have eaten potatoes for three days before the race. Mm -hmm. um, two days, only potatoes. <laughs> a little bit of uh, apple, cooked apple, just a little bit of cheese, and that's it. And was always... Very good. That was always to yeah. do with not having fibre in your yeah. body before a race, yeah, not having much, very yeah. light digestible yeah, stuff. Yeah, so the stomach actually yeah. um, is 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 also work yeah. that much. You know, yeah. There's different food coming down and things but, like that. But so nutrition very simple, mm. and and it was all the time okay. And uh, I have done a little bit different now, and but always come back to the potatoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, instead of spaghetti or yeah, the most people have or and I so like part. I hear so so many traits of just this elite 
athletic brains, you know, thinking about, well, how do I need to train and what do I need to do for my recovery and how do I refuel? And, you know, like you, you, the brains that you have are the brains of athletes. <laughs> I think so, a lot has to do with inform, informing yourself. Yeah. He's, whenever Yeti does anything, he does it 100%. So he, <laughs> he does. And so it doesn't mean just, oh, I'm going to get out and, and run down the road and that's it. It's like, okay, I've got to get all the books and all the information I can. And, of course, now you have the internet as well. And, and, uh, and so he reads. And so then he's become also now more with YouTube, watching people like Kilian and Anthony and Krupika and all these amazing trail running type of elite so you're always being informed in that respect too. So this constant living the life, um, I think that that's that's important too. And then we we have magazines about it, and you know everything is just all you, in that direction. I've got two questions. The first is, do you ever feel like run out? I you know, as in um, too much, like enough of running. They just need to turn that brain off for a while that's question one question two um and you can flow on into it is is there especially for jane is there ever a fear that like what would happen if yeti for some reason i don't want to i'm touching wood as i say this but couldn't run you know is there a backup it's plan? hard no mm. for him it would be very yeah, hard the, yeah. for, yeah, for him but probably for you as well yeah because he would drive me crazy <laughs> <laughs> no um i have i have um Right now, I start get regular training again, but in the last two and a half months, I was not really training, just maintaining some fitness, some running, and I don't have a special program for that. I go a little bit harder and then a little bit easy and things like that so but changing up but it's not if run. you could not run anymore uh, could, could run, run anymore I yeah there was a I've, point in my life where I was told that I probably wouldn't be able to run again and running was a massive part of my life mm -hmm. and I just remember the fear associated with that mm -hmm. um, and that life threatening or you know like career threatening injury and I'm I was just chatting to um, Ben, we haven't yet released his podcast, but it will come out, and the, the topic was mental health, yep. and he has found running um, at 27 years of age, and he uses running to help him feel good about himself and to pull him out of some pretty dark mental health holes, mm. and we were talking about this, and when I asked him this same question, you have a backup plan, he, he didn't, mm -hmm. and... I guess as a coach sitting here thinking about this and a life coach, it sets off my alarm bells because what would happen if you it's, couldn't run and it, how it, would you cope with that? Yeah, I would 100% do something else mm. also with sport. Um, I have done this before I was running regularly over the years. And then um, we came here and I stopped running. I not in one go but has faded away and I started martial art and then kayaking things and come back to running I would I'm 100% sure I would do something different brilliant um, yeah. it's not like I don't have the fear 
oh, when I have an inj- uh, get injured and I can't run anymore or something. You just do something else. I do something else yeah. in my ca- capability. Yeah, I'd learn and to do handstands or I'd walk on my hands if I had yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, be, be to, outside, be active. It has I, to be I think I'm, yeah. I'm optimistic in things. Always I think it's, it's going, it works. Uh, 100 kilometer, other people can do it, I can do it. I never think, oh, they, they're better than I and things like that. So it's, I'm slower, but I still, we still can do it, even in, uh, when you're a little bit older. And uh, it's, uh, that's something, it's actually in, in, in your brain, in, in the head. Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, I can't do it anymore, I'm too old for this. Oh, I have done this 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's a wrong attitude, I think. It's it's would be the whole uh, people would be much healthier these days, and and it's it's actually amazing how many older people don't do these things. They don't have to run hundred kilometers. They have to run maybe five kilometers or something like this, and go for a run and just be regularly, yeah, or just be outdoors. Go yeah. outdoors and move move around and and. And it's, it starts already with the kids. It starts, I see this the school bus uh, stops in, in Signet in the town, 500 meters before the school, picks up kids and brings them to school. I think all these things is wrong. Yeah, it's, kids it's have to have to walk yeah. and things like that. But mm. it's, yeah. So moving along. I'm I'm going to be the adjudicator in this question, but I'm interested to know whether you have a message or like a word of wisdom that you would share with one another, maybe reflecting on the Iger experience or reflecting on the journey that you've had to date as, I'm going to call it, athletes. Mm-hmm. Like what message would you give to each other as like a word of advice? And maybe I should start with you, Yeti, for Jane. For Jane, I think... She has to go a little bit further with this running, walking, and do some other movements. Other, also not neglecting the stretching, the stretching, and also a little bit of um, strengthening. Um, so you, it's much easier for you to run or to walk when you're outside yeah, doing it. When you're out there. And, and keep going. Um, that's the main thing. Keep going. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. And Jane, what, what would be your word of advice for Yeti? I would, for one thing, say be proud of what you have done mm. and you can do. And also listen to your body. If you're feeling tired or you're just having a bad day, to go, it's okay. If I don't go training today, that's mm. fine. Don't beat yourself up um, if you're not sticking exactly to a plan. You'll, you will, it's like recovery to me, for, for your head, for your body. Just let your body rest and then pick it up tomorrow. Mm. It doesn't mean take off a week or two off and think, bugger it, not that. But, but he can tend to do that and that's something that mm. I find he should yeah. should learn to it's okay if I'm not feeling up to it today it's okay mm. I think it's true and the body the body isn't as regimented as our minds can be mm. you know and the 
it's amazing like one little change in the lifestyle can mean that mm. what you normally would recover quickly from suddenly you know becomes harder to recover from mm. and I just think about that you know in a work environment you have a tough day at work and you do notice it affects the recovery for the next day so mm. I love that one Jane so if there was a message to other couples and you can even speak this to Graham and I we're, we're just married just into that phase of life you guys have been a team for a lot longer than us but what advice would you have to other couples who you know have similar dreams and ambitions to be playful and right through our lives till we're greatest and oldest I could I could start with something I think one of the very important things is is to respect each other as an individual Mm. respect each other's individuality even if you're on the same journey each one sees it differently picks it up differently and goes with it differently and in the end you're still together mm. and that I think is a really really important because if if you respect if I respect your individuality you'll respect mine and to me that's yeah, that that's awesome. a very important point mm. and it won't always be Perfect. That's life. Yeah, and there'll be times is. you go a little bit uh, squiff, and other times you come back. And when you don't, one of the things to do with with having careers and you having a business, for example, there will be difficult times, and it will will work on your personal person. Mm-hmm. Just just hang in there together because it's not. It's not you, it's the business. Oh, that's so true. I yeah. know. I probably needed to hear that a week ago. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it can be. Yeah. We've gone through a lot before this, mm. and now because we've got all that responsibility out of our hair, this is why we uh, uh, appear now a very, um, you know, like I think it's robbers also, it's, and it's, it's do things and together. Goes. It wasn't always like you're that. I mean, we've always apart, fought the same fight. You're coming together again. Yeah. That's the main thing, you're coming together again. And mm. uh, I think it's also very important to talk. Mm. Not to be quiet. Talk when something happened or something important happened. Yeah, and um, tell um, each other when um, it's bothering it's you. No lies. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mm. think that's... Uh, no deception. Yeah. And one thing I think Graham and I have found really early on is it's really important to also celebrate the small achievements and um and that's the not just achievements but also the highlights every day so we have um a little habit that we have every day which is highlight of the day and it it's amazing because you can go off and do the most crazy adventures like you can go on this far-flung holiday to japan or chamonix but when you can, when you nail it down, you boil it down to the highlight of the day. Often it's just a it's simple just thing, it's like the strawberry on your breakfast. <laughs> absolutely, or sitting yeah. in the sunshine just for a moment in time, yeah. just yeah. listening to the birds, yeah. or yeah. like in a day where lots happens and it's all the excitement and you're running a business. But it might be just that little run that you had together in the morning, yeah. you know, when the sun was rising. Like, and so sometimes I find like that little. Just gratitude moment yeah. just grounds us both together. So yeah. it's good yeah. as long as you don't make it a regimented thing. No, don't no, no. don't say it's six o'clock. What was your highlight <laughs> today? Yeah, no, no, it's it normally so, uh, bubbles out authentically these yeah. days. It's, it's, uh, the highlights are when you're looking back. It's actually what from a holiday what comes back to you. 
from that holiday. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it, it, travel or things is important and uh, yes, all that. But sometimes it's a, a nice view from a mountain or uh, some dramatic changing the weather or or um or getting off the plane and just yeah, being really grateful to be home yeah, sometimes. That's right. it's yeah, things like that. that just little things from yeah. the whole trip. My my that's big highlight in on that trip was we went to the national park in Switzerland and we we decided we would walk out over an area which was ended up being about seven and a half hour walk with our packs on our backs up over the mountain and to come up early in the morning as the sun's coming up over the mountains and then to get to a point where you could see uh, the animals wild animals just grazing just at peace it was just like wow this is life you know it was just such a such a a feeling and I said to him this is going to be my and it will it will stay as my highlight point of of that trip just that whole feeling of that morning it was a beautiful morning still up in the mountains, beautiful light, amazing. And it's a lovely place, I think, for me to conclude this podcast on because you can go off and you can do these crazy adventures in wild locations, but often it is just being out there and experiencing normally a natural environment at Mm. its best and at its Mm. most beautiful. That is really what will be your highlight. So. I love that. But in order to put yourself in that location, you have to have done the work consistently and thought about all the elements that will allow you to be there as a person. So thank you, Jane Yeti, like for having me in your home and being a part of the podcast. And I hope that our listeners get something out of that for today. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you, honey. Thank Thanks you. very much.